You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, we're about to learn from the smartest guy that ever lived. I think he is. A lot of people think he is. And I'll, I'll put him to the, you put him to the test tonight. Just have a listen at how true this is when it comes to money and possessions. Uh, Jesus, when he teaches in uh, the ultimate sermon that's ever been preached, the Sermon on the Mount, here's what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 19 through to 34. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve to Masters, either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they they not sow or reap or store away in barns? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Then why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor and spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, then your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Let's pray. Father, what what revelation... What reality that we have received from you tonight. Uh, We could walk away just from hearing that more enriched and the better. So, Father, we ask as we head into the message tonight, Father, that you would just be at work, that you would open our hearts and our eyes in particular with what we're going to talk about, Lord. Now, this is something that grips us. And so, Father, I just ask that you might go ahead of me tonight as we just look at what it is you want to say to us. Do your work amongst us. May we be prepared for you to challenge us. And we pray these things now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you're just joining us, we're going through a series called Trending. Uh, what, what are all the hot topics in society at the moment? Funnily enough, when we read through this Sermon on the Mount, when I'd been reading through and prepping the series, I realized that Jesus talked about most of the major issues that seem to be trending today, right? Go back and look at it. Uh, we've looked week one at the what's the significance of the Bible. Uh, last week, we looked at sex. There's no bigger issue than that in society at the moment. And tonight, we look at what does Jesus have to say about money? And already some people are thinking, great, of all the times that are going to come to this church, they're going to talk about money. Uh, but just have a, have a listen tonight to what Jesus says about this. And part of the challenge for me is I think I've been rope-a-doped by Jesus. Rope-a-doped, you know what I'm talking about, right? Muhammad Ali and George Foreman in Rumble in the Jungle, 1974. 
You don't know that? You don't know the ultimate fight where Ali was up against Foreman and Foreman was this huge punching guy and Ali was a little bit smaller than him. And so for the whole 11 rounds of the fight there, Ali leaned back in against the ropes like he was getting pummeled almost to death by Foreman. And people thought that Ali was gone, he was going to be dead. And then in the 12th round, what happened is Foreman punched himself out Ali comes out of the ropes and he'd been, he'd been tricking him. He'd rope-a-doped him. And so Ali comes out with his biggest punches flying in the final round and, and takes Foreman down. Anyway, the point I'm trying to get, rather than just talk about boxing. <laughs> Here's the thing. We think, maybe you think, I thought at least, that the big issues that are trending, the big issues in Jesus' mind was the significance of the Bible. And I thought the big, big issue last week was sex because we've never preached on it here. And so that had to be the big issue. It's not. It's the one tonight. Can we be real with each other? What we're going to talk about tonight is the one thing. We can talk about the Bible till cows come home. We can have lots of different thoughts about it. We can talk about sex and sexual immorality and all those sorts of things. But this is the thing that grips us. This is the thing that pervades through all of our lives. This is the thing, church, that I believe that we think about more than any other of these things. It's money. And Jesus warns about greed and money 30 times more than he does sex. 30 times more than the, what we thought was the big... We've been rope-a-doped. Uh, he comes out firing when he talks about money 30 times. Why would he teach and warn about greed and materialism 30 times more than he would sex? Here's the first reason why tonight, because money has a power over us, a power to blind us. Uh, When he says here in verse 22, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, it sounds like a funny, weird proverb, doesn't it? The way he's teaching here. Uh, but why, why is he talking about eyes? Why is he talking about vision? It's because money has a power over us and the main power of money is that it blinds us to greed and materialism in our life. Implied here is that materialism and greed in the world is a sin of the eye. Have you ever thought of it that way? And we think about all these other different sins of, of, of the body and bodily sins and fleshly sins and this is a sin of the eye, says Jesus. It blinds you to its presence. That's what it does. So, you know, what is greed and materialism? In simple terms, greed or materialism is the excess love of, consumption of, obsession with money and things. And we see this happening in the world all the time, right? Uh, Ross Gittins, the uh, economist for the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, wrote an article in March 2013 where he said, we worship materialism at our peril. And what he says in that is we live in a society where increasingly spending is taking the priority over the spiritual and the social. And I see it all the time. You Kardashians. You know, with these um, cribs, what is it? You know, Pimp My Ride. Um, All all these um, very hearty documentaries that you get to see on television at the moment. But is it just me? Look look at Instagram. Look at Facebook. What are these things? They're, They're visual things, aren't they? Have you ever caught yourself on Instagram where, where you see someone? I had, I had a mate the other day, new toy, you know, as, a, as, as the car all happening there. And, and I start thinking about, you know, my, my, I don't, my car hasn't been running that good lately. <laughs> it, really, it really hasn't, Lord. You know, I think you, you leading. Um, I heard a commentator said, um, what you see gets you. 
And we're living in a society where these things are constantly pressing in against us. And so it's no, is it no coincidence here that, that these proverbial, what look like proverbial sayings here in the Bible, they're not really proverbs. They're all anchored to the last part of the passage here in Matthew 60, where Jesus says the solution for greed and materialism. What does he say? Look. Look at the birds, look at the fields, look at the grass. Look, 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 look. He's saying because materialism and greed, is, it's, a, it's a problem with the eye. What you see gets you. And so over and over and over again, the Bible saying, unlike other sins in the Bible, this is one that you can't see yourself. That's why in Luke chapter 12, it almost sounds quite the same as this saying here, but Jesus is uh, talking on the parable of the rich fool. And, and Jesus says, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He says, watch out, watch out for greed, watch out for it. Now, why does he say watch out? Because I've been reading through, he doesn't say watch out for other sorts of sins. Like, for example, he doesn't say watch out for sexual immorality. And here's why I reckon why is because Like when you're in the middle of sexual immorality, you don't go, how did that happen? (laughs) What? What? How did did that? How did I get here? Oh my goodness. Oops. (laughs) You you know when you're doing that. What he's saying is you don't know when, when you are in the sin of greed and materialism. You don't know when greed and materialism has grabbed you. You're getting this. So that's why it says keep watching out, keep watching out. You never know when you're committing it. Like as a pastor, and I've been a pastor for eight years or so now, I've, I've yet to have anyone book an appointment in with me, call the girls in the office and say, I need to chat to Sam. And they sit down in the office and they say, Sam, I just need to talk to you. I'm really struggling with greed. It's really getting me, Sam, and I'm really struggling. No one's ever done that yet. You could be the first. <laughs> um, no, because we don't, we don't see this, do we, church? Uh, why, why is that? Why is it? It's because nobody thinks that greed and materialism is their problem. Why? I, I call it demographic stratification. I don't know if this happens to you. It's called demographic stratification. When you, when you always live in the same area of Sydney all the time, then you're always seeing the same things all the time. Every time, every time I, I, I drive home because I'm lucky to live in this area of neighbourhood, there's always a, another Merck or there's another Lexus or there's, another, there's always a bigger house or there's always a, a nicer place. You, you guys wouldn't do this, right? Yeah. Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> Right, demographic stratification, what, what happens is when, when, when you live in this strata and you do this in your jobs, when you, you, you get promoted and everyone's hanging out and everyone's telling you what they're doing at the moment and everyone's telling you where they're spending their money and the latest craze and the things to be on about and you do that over Friday night drinks and you're all talking. What happens in demographic stratification is this. There is always someone who is wealthier than you. And so what happens in this stratification is we draw the line of greed and materialism in our life much further away from our own lives than we ever should. Because here's what we say in our minds. Oh, greed, materialism. Oh, look at them. Look, look at them, Lord. Look at what they've got. Look at, look at, what, look at what they're doing. They're, deal with them, Lord. Me, you know, demographic stratification, you're always middle class. <laughs> you're always frugal, right? See how it blinds you? You don't know it's happening. Um, (laughs) 
though. It's too embarrassing. It's too embarrassing for me to share the details, but it happened to me this week. I'm driving the car with Kristen and, and walking past and something's triggered my line of thought. And I said to her, you know what, you know what, babe, like, you know, we should, we should have just, we should have just paid extra all those years ago. We should have just got that thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and she says to me, are you, are you listening to yourself right now? <laughs> then she, this is what you've got to love about wives when you're a preacher. She says to me, and aren't you preaching on greed and materialism this coming Sunday? <laughs> Yes. Are you, you, you hearing yourself, Sam? Here's the point. You, you can't trust yourself with this to do it alone. Amen, Harper. <laughs> she gets it. <laughs> can't trust yourself to do this alone. See, here's what I'm getting at. Here's, here's the hypothesis. If the Bible is constantly talking about it, if Jesus says 30 more times in sex, you've got to be on your guard for greed and materialism. If we're agreed that we're living in a society, Instagram, Kardashians, demographic stratification, where it's all around us, if it's all there, if Jesus warns about it, if it's pervasive, if the power of money blinds us to the presence of it, and if we take Jesus in the Bible seriously, anyone listening to this sermon tonight, Anyone listening on the podcast needs to make this your working hypothesis, hypothesis, and that is this, that maybe this is true of me. Maybe I'm blind to it. Maybe I haven't seen it yet. And so the choice is, okay, I've got to be checking myself. I've got to be, I've got to be checking this out. Now, am I trying to make you feel guilty? No. No. Um, look, all I'm saying is don't trust yourself. Ask yourself the question constantly. If you don't have something like my lovely wife in the front seat of the car, um, ask yourself, do I need this? Do I have to upgrade? Look, because, you know, I, I prayed for a person the other week. I felt so, I, I, my heart went out to them. They're in my office. You know what they pulled out? An iPhone 3. Yeah, yeah. You know the one with the curved back? You know, like the original one? <laughs> we're, we're, living in, we're living in the society of the perpetual upgrade, aren't we? Do I need to upgrade? Do I need this? Ask yourself the question and you can never do it alone. You can't trust yourself with this. Why? Because the power of money is that it stops you from asking yourself that question. That's the power of greed and materialism. It stops you from asking yourself those questions. So money has a power over us. Why then does money have a power over us? Uh, well, Jesus gets to that point. I told you he's the smartest guy that ever lived. He's the best teacher of it all. He says, we all treasure treasures. The reason money and possessions and material things can have a power over us is because we all treasure treasures. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where they don't destroy all this sort of stuff. Here's the fa- fascinating thing. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, don't treasure things. He actually says, treasure things. It's because he gets you. It's because I reckon he's the smartest psychologist that ever lived. He understands that we all treasure treasures. That's why Dallas Willard says that treasure is directly connected to our spirit and our will. It's where we get a sense of dignity from in many ways. He says that's why it's so important not to dismiss little toddlers when they're growing up and they treasure things. My little guy, Zach, he, he's always treasuring stuff. You go to take him to bed and he has to bring lion and monkey and, and his panda and the whole lot just has to come up. He has to line them all up next to his cot and all of that has to be in a row, all these little precious treasures. Willard says um, that's a natural part of who we are. You're built to treasure things. 
um, says God, and, and through the Bible. So you're to treasure treasures. But here's the point. Where your heart really rests is revealed by your treasures. And so um, let me give you a litmus test then. If, if that's the case, your treasures then are like a chlorine strip to the heart. They tell you whether or not you're in balance. You know, like you put the chlorine strip in the pool and it comes up a certain colour. The way that you work out whether your heart is in balance is when you look at your treasures, um, is there a balance to your treasure? And here's what I mean by this. Uh, first one, here's a test. Um, if you find that it's hard for you to give money away, but it's very easy to spend money on clothes. I mean, like it's like falling off a log. It's just effortless for you. You know, are you, are you one of those people that you sort of wander around the mall and you just come home and your friends say, oh, where'd you, oh, where'd you get that from? Oh, this little thing. Oh, you know, it just leapt out at me. <laughs> it just leapt out at me. It just, it looks so perfect. I just had to have it. Um, uh, if you do that, maybe, you're, maybe your heart's really resting in your clothes. Uh, more importantly, maybe your heart's really resting in your beauty. Maybe your heart's resting in what your clothes are saying about who you would like to be or to project. Uh, here's another litmus test. If you find it difficult to give money away, but you find it easy to put it into your house, if you're, if you're always looking for different things to snazzy up the house, um, then that's your real treasury. What you're saying is, uh, look at where I live and look at who I am. And, and it's not that you can't live in nice houses. And this is what we've got to get at in this message. You know, God's not saying oh, money bad, God good. He's not saying that. But he's saying, it's, it's why, why do you want to live there? Why, why, do you, why do you want to expand that? Why, why do you want that? You know, on one hand, is it because you've got the capacity to do that and you want to enjoy the way that God has blessed you? Or, or do you want to do that because you want to project a sense of significance because of your geography? See the difference? If that's the case, then that's where your heart really rests. Your treasures reveal where your heart really rests. Then there's the third example. It's the third example for the uni students. You know, they're, they're like, you know, not me, not me. Look at this old thing. I've had this for like six years. You probably haven't washed it in six years too. <laughs> Uni students. Oh, we love you all. That's all good. Um, um, and so you're the one who says, you know, I, I'm not obsessed with clothes. In fact, it's more fashionable at uni to have daggy clothes and go retro. And, I, and we, we don't own big houses because, frankly, I'm a uni student in Sydney and I'm never going to own a house in Sydney. So by the time you generation before us have ridden the prices all the way up. And, and so I'm not like that. I'm not like you guys. Um, but then on the, on the, on the other hand, you, you do something else. You stash. You know, you, there's not much, but... But every single dollar that comes in, you, you put it away, you put it under the mattress, not the literal mattress, but into the bank. You put it into your Dolomite account and you, and you, 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 you watch it grow. And, uh, you know, like. Now, that's, that's where their heart really rests. What you're saying is if I, if I stash enough of this, maybe I can be in control of an uncontrollable world. Maybe that can be my security. Maybe that can be the thing that gives me peace. So what's the point? What, the point of all of this is Jesus is saying your effortlessness with your money reveals what your true treasure is. So the question for you tonight is, well, where, where are you effortlessless? Where is there an effortlessness with your money? Where your treasure is, your heart is also. Where your treasure is, your heart is also, says Jesus. You know what? This is the one part of the Bible where this principle is reversed. Because every other part of the Bible says where your heart is, your actions will follow. 
You know, Paul and Jesus and all the great teachers, they'll say, get your heart right. We've been talking about this in character series for six weeks at the beginning of the year. Get your heart right and then your actions will follow. Jesus goes the other way. Jesus says, get your actions right, get your treasure right, and then your heart will follow that. So it's totally reversed. And what he says is that the choice is you actually have to um, tonight think about, well, where's it going to be? Is it going to be in the things of this world that you think will give you significance or is it going to be in the things of heaven? Where your heart really rests is revealed by your treasures. So um, money has a power over us. It, it blinds us to its presence. Why? Because we all treasure treasures. And the last point is, well, why, why do we do that? Why is there power? Why are there treasures? Uh, well, the final point tonight is it's because um, we all serve someone or something. We all serve someone or something. Verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So what, what, what Jesus is saying here is that every human has to serve some sort of God. You know, Bob Dylan said, you're going to serve somebody. You might like to sing, you might like to dance, you might be the ambassador to France, but you're going to serve somebody. So I, think, I figure if Bob Dylan could get it right, then Jesus got it right too. And here's, here's what we're getting at, that we humans, we're incurably religious. We're always serving someone or something. It, it may not be the God, but it's certainly a God in your life. Now, what is really weird about this is how do you get that out of Jesus saying you can't serve both God and money? The original word, and you see other translations like the RSV or the King James, it says you cannot serve both God and mammon. You might have heard that word before. And, and what the gospel writers did in the Greek is that they took the Greek letters and they just they, they replaced them over the top of the Hebrew word. So it's actually like an Aramaic word, mammon, or, which was derived from the word amon, which is close to the word amen, which means to trust. And so whenever you said amen, it meant trust me, trust me. And so what, what Jesus was getting at here is that uh, there, is, there is something here. Everybody has at the center of their soul a treasure. And beneath the treasure is the God that they really trust. Now, what does the treasure mean? To, the tre- a treasure, you know what a treasure is. To, to treasure something is to lo- look at something and to so fill your heart with it that if I just have this and if I can just possess this, then, then it's worth it and I'm worth it. Gollum understood that, didn't he? Gollum in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, my, my precious. The whole, the whole point of treasure is that whoever comes under its power like the ring, like Gollum calls it, my precious. So can you see that Jesus is saying the problem, the problem in this world with, with, with money is, is not governments and it's, it's not necessarily people, but it's far deeper than that. At the center of everyone's soul is a precious. And whatever it is, you are enslaved to it. Just like Gollum. Albert Schweitzer said, if you have something that you can't do without, you don't own it. It owns you. So in light of this, let, let me apply something that people often think, you know, because they think, particularly in Christian circles, oh, well, you know, Jesus, Jesus was always saying, um, oh, money bad and God good. And, and, and even particularly within the church, you know, there's, there's a whole brand of people in churches that sort of preach that if, if you're rich, that somehow you're evil. 
And granted, at the other hand, there are churches on the other end of the spectrum that sort of preach that God wants you to be rich and God wants you to always have lots of money. And frankly, I can't see that in the teachings of Jesus when I go through and read that. Um, Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Cheer up, but I've overcome the world. Jesus doesn't promise that you'll be rich. But one thing that he does, that we do see the balance of this, is that Jesus is not saying that if you're rich or you're wealthy or you've made it in the world, that you're inherently evil. Because the whole point of all of this, it's not about how much you have, but it's who you serve. It means that if we, if we come under God and our money comes under God, it can be a beautiful and wonderful thing for the world. You know, I've seen a guy in America at a Bible college that I went to. He set it up. His name was Jack London. You know what his dream was? His dream was to give away $1 billion to the church and the kingdom of God. It was at that moment that I thought, have you ever thought about worshipping at Northside Community Church? <laughs> but this guy, you know, I said, it's, it's not that, it, he just had the gift of earning. <laughs> and correspondingly, he's got the gift of giving as well. So it's never a matter of, 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 of money, bad, God, good. It's about who do you serve? Who do you come under? And the whole point, particularly in our context here, is to say if you are wealthy, and there are many in this place that are wealthy and wonderfully resourced, we've seen in this place, this, all of this doesn't exist if there weren't Christians who had the gift of earning in this place that got this, that they were here to serve God with the wealth that they had and they put it to good use. On the other side, when you see it in that way, then you can't be the sort of person who thumbs your nose up at the rich and says, oh, they can't be with God. You know, God's calling us all to poverty. It's not that. Who are you, who are you to judge whether they're serving God or someone else? They could be serving God far better than you could. So see the balance of it all? Money has a spiritual power over us. That's because we're made to treasure treasures and it's because underneath the treasures, there's an ultimate God that we trust. How do we deal with this? How do we go home and keep working this out? Um, Only if you make Jesus your treasure will, will you be free from materialism. Only if you make Jesus your treasure. You do that by, by transferring your, your inner wealth. What we talk about, your inner wealth. The only way you're going to have power over this is if there's an inner wealth within you. And so you say, well, how do I know that I've got an inner wealth? How do I know that that wealth is greater than the things of the world? Um, first of all, there's the solitude test. Archbishop William Temple said, um, what do you think about when your mind is free to think about whatever you want? What's the first thing that you go, your mind goes to? And so if it is to God and if it is to all the things in his, and all of his wonders, then a Temple is saying, then that's how you can see whether there is a richness and an inner wealth that you have. Uh, the other way to talk about it is the nightmare test. The nightmare test is what one thing in your life, if you lost it, you would figure all life is over. Is there, is there an emotional wealth within you that allows you to move beyond those things? See, what the solitude test and the nightmare test shows is where the emotional wealth of your heart is. And so when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, you know, he's, he's sounding like he's getting all Spiro. <laughs> it sounds like, oh, that's Spiro thing that Christians say. Um, no, what he's saying is that there is, there is an emotional wealth, there is a treasure in this thing that if you get it, it will give you a joy that you've never really experienced in your life, a joy that allows you to move beyond your circumstances. You see, there's two ways to come to God. You can come and be a Christian and not hand over your emotional wealth to him. We call them the religious types because they come to God and they say, yeah, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go every Sunday. I'm going to read the Bible, but this is my stuff here, Lord. And you just do your thing and I'll do my thing with my money and my possessions. (laughs) 
And what happens is you often use God as leverage. You say, I've been a, I've been a really good Christian, Lord. You better keep blessing me. Make me rich. And all of, the, all of that is a fear-based religion. There's no joy in that. You do everything begrudgingly. Or you can do it the other way, where the scriptures say that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's hidden in a field somewhere. This parable where someone goes and they buy the field uh, for, for a little bit of money and they realize that there's treasure hidden underneath. You see, I always wondered what was it that made those disciples pack up and leave their nets at once? Yeah, they were businessmen. They weren't poor. They were fishermen. They were middle-class businessmen. They left small businesses behind to go and follow Jesus. How the heck did they do that? Look, 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 says Jesus. Look, seek first the kingdom. Look at the birds. Look at the grass. Look at what all of God is doing. Let me put it this way. Uh, um, Joe goes down to Potts Point. An agent says, I can, I can sell you a block of land that's worth $3 million bucks for $10,000. So Joe goes down there to Potts Point and the whole way down there, he's counting every single $5 bill of his 10000 Oh, I'm going to miss you. Oh, I, I don't know how we're going to be just living apart for so long and um, I, I don't know if I can let you go. Now, if you saw a guy like that doing that with ten grand with that sort of deal, and what would you say to him? Oh, just try harder, Joe, to get a sense of it. You wouldn't say that. You'd say, think, look at the deal. Look at the piece of land. Look at the property. Everyone knows Potts Point is a good area to buy. Okay, think about it. 10,000, it's a bargain. And then when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, he's saying the fundamental issue for you and I always is we're not thinking, we're like Joe. He's saying there is, there is a wealth in this that is beyond anything um, that you can find or have or can come into your life. Let, let me put it one last way as we finish up. Imagine I said, look, let's go down to Manly Beach tonight. Um, let's hang out down there. And the, and the third wave that breaks on the shore, I'm going to sell it to you. Would you buy it off me? You go, no, that's stupid. Um, I can't nail it to anything. I can't pack it up. I can't take it with me. I can't hang it over my front door. Uh, I can't hang it on my rear vision mirror in the car as I drive down the street. Like, I can't do anything with it. I, I can't, no, I'm not going to buy it off you. That's stupid. Um, life is a wave. All of this stuff that's coming into our life, all of the good things, the blessings, um, it's going to go back out again. Let's be real. For some of us, it's slower than most. Others, they've already experienced the way that the tide has shifted back out. But it's a wave. Why, why, would, you, why would you put yourself into these things? Why would you invest in these things? Why, why would you get caught up in things? Now, look, I'm not saying throw them all away. Because the Bible, talk, we've talked about stewardship and all that sort of stuff. But it's saying fundamentally, why, why do we tether our hearts to all of this? The reason why we're like Joe, we need to look. There is a wealth and a resource in God that is beyond any of the material possessions. And look, let's be real. That is a great struggle for any Christian. Guys, tonight, if you, if you struggle with this, Jesus gives you the ultimate litmus test. How do I know that I'm free from greed and materialism and money? How do I know that I've got that freedom? Worry. Worry, anxiety. He knows he shows up if you're anxious about this stuff, if you worry about this sort of stuff. He says that's a sure sign that your heart is still tethered to the things of this world. Now, it's not easy. We've got to be real about it. It's not, it's not easy. But he says if you come follow me, then there's a resource here that, um, that is beyond your circumstances. There'll be a revolution in your life. 
there can be a revolution in your life. But if you're always grumpy at God or if you're saying, oh, you don't understand, I've got to try all this sort of stuff out, I'm young, I want to go check the world out, I'll get to that later. You're not, you're not getting it. You're not looking at the real issue. The real issue is you haven't thought about it. The real issue is, look, what is my treasure? Not the CD collection, not the car, not this. What is my real treasure? Until Jesus becomes our real treasure, um, then you won't be able to let go of your little treasures in life. You know, no one ever came to Jesus Christ and went away, meh. <laughs> they didn't. They never went, oh, meh. They, they went, look, some people ran away in fear. Other people ran at him and tried to kill him. Or other people fell at his feet and worshipped him, worshipped him and said, you're the smartest guy that ever lived. Teach me more, Lord. Um, if it hasn't happened to you, then we're just not, we're not looking enough at who he is and what he's promising and what he has given us. Where it has a power over us, it can blind us. You've heard me talk about Donathan, right? The guy that I met when I was on, on, on my trip in Israel and we're sitting at the breakfast table and I wondered why he'd nicked every little bit of food off the bar at the, at the breakfast buffet that we'd had that day and why he'd nicked all that and putting it in bags and it was because he was going to have it for lunch. And I said, why did you have it for lunch? Uh, why are you doing all that? Lunch is just 10 bucks US. And he looked at me, he was from Haiti, 10 bucks US. He said, that's more than I get, that's more than I earn in a day. And my heart sank and I thought, hang on, I've been blinded. If, if your eyes are dark, what, what you see gets you. If you own a car in this country, you are in the top 3% of the most wealthy people in the world. And we're worried about whether it's a Corolla or a Lexus. <laughs> Guys, come on, we know this is the issue that grips us. It has a power over us. It's because we treasure treasures and the treasures reveal uh, where our heart really rests. And what we treasure depends on the God that we really trust. Are you worshipping a God or the God? When you get that piece right, then your freedom with money, greed, materialism, the rest will flow. Let's pray.